For the cons, so the biggest con in my eyes, it's that you never know what's, what to expect with, with older buildings in general, because sometimes like you don't see what's behind walls unless you really open them up. So sometimes you can find a pipe leaking or something bursting or maybe asbestos, mold. Um, there are so many things that are expected uh, when you first get into this, but along the way you may have unpredictable things that come up. And the second thing would be probably the limitations you would have to the renovation you're doing. So depending on what is designated as heritage within the building, sometimes you are you end up being limited to what you could do. Um, maybe you wanted to create an open concept and you can't, or you wanted to rip out a staircase and you can't. So those become really... Are you a real estate investor looking to sharpen your skills or a newbie looking to become one? You're in the right place. Welcome to Where Should I Invest? Real Estate Investing in Canada with your host, Sarah Larby. Hello, hello, it's Sarah Larby and you're listening to Where Should I Invest? We have a great guest today, Jude Kamal, who's an interior designer, real estate investor, and experts in heritage properties. And uh, we are going to talk about the pros and cons and how to work around them, if it makes sense to do so and not. So if you've ever considered a heritage home or not, you are going to want to listen so that you can make the right informed choices, because I'll tell you, there's definitely some cons and some things that you might have to work around before purchasing one of those. And it's not for everybody and it's not for every single type of renovation. So it's uh, it's a really interesting episode if you are or are ever going to consider heritage properties and uh, you know as an investor, I'll tell you, I have my own opinion, but I will share it at the end. But let me know what you guys think about heritage homes. I think it's a, a great opportunity for some, but not for others. So we're gonna talk about that. And by the way, if you haven't gotten your tickets for our events on November 30th in Markham, it's gonna be live music and comedy and real estate investing content. We've got some great speakers. They're gonna share some insights on some of the best deals that they've done, as well as a lot of good food and drinks. And it's just gonna be an experience all around. So if you are interested, send me a message. I don't know if we'll have tickets left or not by then, but feel free to send me an email. And if we do, then I can send you the link. You can email me, sarah at sarahlarby.com if you are interested in our November 30th event. I hope you guys enjoy the podcast and let me know your thoughts on purchasing and renovating heritage properties. And if you've also attempted and, uh, and how that went. would love to hear from you on a note. Again, please rate and review. If you've loved this podcast or it's helped you, I would love to hear that as well. Thanks very much. And let's bring in Jude. Jude, welcome to the show. How are you? Good. How are you? Good, good. I am excited. I don't think I've ever had anybody on the show talk about what we're going to talk about today. So I've got lots of questions in my head that I am dying to ask you before we, we get into, you know, your topic, if you wouldn't mind sharing with us a little bit of, you know, your story of how you got started in real estate investing in the first place. I actually, uh, as a funny thing, I always, since I'm an interior designer and this is what we mainly do, I personally got into it when the pre-construction um, kind of scene started to emerge in Toronto. And my first ever invested property was in Oshawa. 
Um, and I, I was really young at the time and I, I got into it. It was a cool project. And from there, I still try to catch cool hunts here and there. And now um, I recommend a lot of units or places to clients and then design it for them. That is very cool. So how did the whole heritage renovation piece come into play? Uh, because essentially, I, you know, from, from what I'm, I'm reading and what I'm, I'm seeing is, you know, you've, you've done a really great job gutting these places. A lot of places that I don't know a whole lot about and probably would avoid because of the heritage <laughs> designation for many of them. But uh, I'm just curious how you got started in, in that particular aspect of it. Yeah, so it kind of uh, became interesting to me while I was studying uh, interior design and architecture in university. And I've always had this interest in heritage homes, like the different eras, like Victorian, Edwardian, um, and pre-1920s buildings. So I've always had this interest in it. So, and then I figured, why not do a little bit more research and try to tackle those um, homes and try to tackle those into into something that's great and turn it into something beyond what it really is uh, so far. Very cool. And do you mind if I ask when you did the first one, the whole Heritage Renault, your first property that you did with that? I think we've done a few, but the main, the first big one we've done was, um, I don't know if you've seen, there's a project that we called From Nunnery to Family Home. It's a house in High Park in Toronto. And it was a full house. It's, it was somewhat of a heritage building, um, but it wasn't really, it wasn't in bad condition. It was in great condition actually. And uh, we gutted the whole interior. Um, but most of the places we've done that were heritage, we weren't allowed to touch the exterior at all we weren't allowed to touch some parts of the interior like windows and mainly the facade or the front of the home okay so obviously you you know specialize in renovating are you are you selling these homes are you keeping them like um are you burying them what's the what's the strategy so the the strategy is that we're only designing them uh for people who come to us with um with those properties or people maybe who are interested in purchasing something like this. And we kind of advise on what to look for, what to um, be aware of. Um, and then once they purchase it, then we renovate it or restore it for them. Um, but mainly we're not buying them as of yet because we're just trying to focus on getting people proper design and proper permits in place. And, and then we're going from there. Okay. So you're helping other investors essentially, you know, buy something and, and maneuver through all of the ups and downs, uh, yes. specifically focusing on these older homes with, with these types of heritage designations or whatnot. What is a heritage designation? You know, what does that mean? So heritage means that pretty much it has an importance to like either community or city or like something that is associated to historical events, um, but mainly things that get um, that get marked as heritage are usually typically either unique that have unique architectural features that need to be preserved, um, or they have some part of history that 
that hasn't like maybe like a very cool detail that nobody kind of has seen before or something that we need to preserve those are those are those become heritage but it also is most common in buildings that are like early 1900s so it keeps changing the Ontario Heritage Act keeps getting updated obviously and the city keeps finding different buildings to mark as heritage so there are a few around the city but it's mainly like very old homes or buildings in the city you know to to be honest this is this is true i usually don't bother touching anything with a heritage designation just because I, again i think there's pros and cons and and probably you know my fault i probably could have done really well <laughs> it sounds like yeah. from, from some of them um you know, but there's pros and there's cons and there's, there's some cons. And before we get into the the cons though, I do want to ask you, so there's a heritage designation and then there's like one that's not like designated. I don't know what it is. You might know, but it's like they've indicated it or something along those lines. And it's not like fully designated as a heritage home. What is that? Uh, Usually. So the ones that they didn't designate, it's technically not heritage yet, but it could be heritage in the future. So probably they're it either gets flagged as something that the the city is looking into turning into heritage or um, like mainly that they're going to research further, look into it further, and they could potentially turn it into a heritage property. Or it could be that um, it simply will not be heritage and you can end up doing whatever work you want to do on it. Right. And, and that whatever work you want to do on it, you know, sometimes I look at like Oakville, like downtown Oakville, you've probably seen and all of the mm-hmm. outside, like those people that live in those houses, I'm, you know, I'm sure they have tons of money that they could do something to the exterior, but it looks like, you know, with the plaques and who lived there and the types of jobs that they had, it, you know, it, it, it preserves, there's some good, good, of course, it preserves the, the look and feel, but you know, they can't do certain things to the exterior. So let, let's talk about yes. the pros of buying a heritage home. And then let's talk about the, the downsides. Um, and then just like maybe some of the hurdles to buying heritage or buying heritage. I honestly personally think it really depends on the property itself, like in terms of pros and cons, but in general, like if I were to generalize pros and cons, I would say that the best part about it is you're getting something really unique and almost like a piece of history. Um, and and you're living in it or maybe you're you're using it as an investment to rent out so it 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 has a high appeal and it also um has like this unique character interesting features that nobody else would have um and obviously with what with it being heritage and with more time so almost it's like aged wine uh, i i like to compare it to that cuz the older it gets Yes, the more work it needs, but it becomes more valuable over time. So um, a lot of people tend to hold on to them that they don't want to sell them. And and if you were to buy something, it's usually um, going to end up being expensive because it has a high value overall. Um, and then the, the last thing that I also really like about heritage homes or buildings is mainly they have really cool windows that you get to... Um, if, if those windows are allowed to like, you can, you can move them or replace them, then you could take out the windows, maybe like stained glass windows and use it elsewhere in your home as like a little piece of art somewhere, or you could just keep them where they are. So it ends up being this contrast to architecture between 
the modern and the old. So it, it turns out to be something really beautiful. Um, for the cons, do you want me to go into that or? Yeah, let's, let's go into cons. I mean, obviously, you know, the, the, I, I would say that those listening are likely investing. They're there to make money. They're there to figure out, okay, what's, you know, how can I get the maximum after repair value for this property? And it's cool. Like, I think like for like, like somebody that's going to be living in the house themselves, that they have a little piece of history. As you're saying this for me, I'm like, I don't know if I would personally, and I, I, I'm just, you know, like, it's just my opinion. I don't know if I would personally associate heritage and, and older as more valuable per se, the way that I would maybe look at it, but I think we can talk about the rebates and different things, but the way that I would probably look at it is it's going to be more of a headache for me to want to do anything to it. My hands are more tied. Uh, and is it really worth that extra cool? Wow. It's, it's heritage value. I don't know, but this is a conversation I'd love to have with you, right? Let's, let's talk about the cons. Yes, for sure. I, I, I do think just to touch quickly, uh, I do think that if you were to get a heritage building, it's better off that you live in it and, or you use it to resell it. I wouldn't necessarily use it for renters because it could get destroyed and you don't want that. Um, More like if you're doing like a flip or something along those lines and then your end um, buyer essentially is somebody into history, into arts, into something unique and different. Uh, So if you, if you're a flipper, that could probably work really well. Yes, exactly. Um, For the cons. So the, the, the biggest con in my eyes, it's that, you never know what's what to expect with with older buildings in general because sometimes like you don't see what's behind walls unless you really open them up so sometimes you can find a pipe leaking or something bursting or maybe asbestos mold um, there are so many things that are expected uh, when you first get into this but along the way you may have unpredictable things that come up and um, the second thing would be probably the limitations you would have to the renovation you're doing. So depending on what is designated as heritage within the building, sometimes you are you end up being limited to what you could do. Um, maybe you wanted to create an open concept and you can't, or you wanted to rip out a staircase and you can't. So those become really almost like holding you down. And um, there are also... Um, provincial and municipal limitations uh, as well so so with that being said is is also you also can't do much of the interior upgrades as part of that so um, so you would end up needing to maybe replace plumbing but the if the flooring is heritage then how do you do that so it it gets into a complicated um, domino effect at some point but before purchasing something there are things that you should check for. And those are like the asbestos, uh, piping, HVAC, and get an inspection, you know? So it really helps to do that so that you know what you're getting yourself into and you can kind of assess your risks ahead of time. And now we're going to take a quick break to hear from one of our sponsors. Hey everyone, I just wanted to pause and share with you a financing tip that helped me scale my portfolio and can also help you as well. By working with Streetwise Mortgages, I took a strategic goals-based versus a transactional approach to financing, and they've helped me develop a financing roadmap that aligned with my goals and gave me some crystal clear clarity 
on where the money will come from to grow, how to maximize my borrowing power, how to structure future deals and avoid some costly mistakes, saving me thousands along the way. The financing roadmap is complimentary for every client who works with Streetwise and also very recently, they've offered an additional summary report of the best to invest 18 Ontario markets and also a comprehensive deep dive research into a market of your choice out of those 18. I highly recommend that you take them up on that offer. If you're looking to grow your portfolio, to book a planning session and develop your financing roadmap, email info at streetwisemortgages.com. That is info at streetwisemortgages.com. Thanks for listening. And now back to the show. And now back to the show. Absolutely. You know, so I, I'm interested because I mean, obviously as, as investors, and I'm going to speak from an investor standpoint, because, you know, I, I think that's, that's our, our bread and butter. Um, we'll do the inspection piece and, and we'll, we'll take a look at the asbestos potential. I mean, you never really fully know exactly what you're getting into until you start opening up walls, but I'm, I'm curious because I really don't know how would it work with a heritage home? Like if you, let's just say you have the property, you have it under contract, uh, to do diligence as a clause, right? So you, you can do your, your background check or whatever mm-hmm. you want to do. From a heritage standpoint, who do you need to bring in from the city? Like, how do you actually find out, like, is this floor deemed heritage before you buy the property? Like, what, like, how does that process even work? Um, so you would, so there are a few, um, there are a few links. I actually did a blog post um, that is called uh, Renovating Heritage Homes. So under that blog post, we've linked up a few things. So there are a few websites that you could check, but it's mainly like, um, like mainly you would know it's heritage because when you're buying it, it would be already like written down that it is heritage. Um, but if it's something that maybe you, let's say you were living in this home and you don't know if it's heritage and you want to sell it, then the Ontario Heritage Act and, um, there are like, the Ontario website um, for heritage buildings, you would see there. Um, and then there's like a directory. You could sometimes type in the address and then it pops up. And if it's not, then you could call them and say, Hey, I have this property. This is the address. I'm not sure if it's heritage or not. Can you help me? Um, so pretty much that's how people would know, but the city would usually, um, this, the city would usually, tell you uh if it is at some point like if if let's say you're living in a home they would inform you that your home is turning into a heritage home or your building and that's how you'll know um but you could always ask as well how do you know though like for example because you mentioned flooring and you mentioned like certain windows like so you have that you can see if it's designated or you know maybe it's appointed for for future um designation but how do you actually know like what parts of that it will say oh it'll say it will say like a designated heritage for example then they would put like dash facade or um they would write what it is they would they would note down what it is um or sometimes they would say windows um like roof like roof and windows are very common the facade or the frontage of the building is very common it's very rarely that it's flooring and it's very rarely that it's interior elements unless it's like um, if you go to the um, one of the uh, TD banks in Toronto it's like the old one with the golden ceiling inside that one for example like it has something that is really unique and it almost like looks like a museum piece so those pieces cannot be 
modified, but you could restore them as well. So it still has to look the same to what it was, but you can restore them in that sense. Okay. No, that's cool. Thanks for, thanks for providing that insight. So let's just say I, I buy a piece of property, I close on it and it's heritage, you know, let's just say it's just some exterior stuff. What mm-hmm. is the process? I mean, and let's just say I want to renovate it and I want to refinish it. Maybe I want to flip it. In, in this case, it's probably the best use for these heritage homes. What's like, is the permit process like, like who gets involved? Cause I mean, it, it's probably the city like usual with the, the BCIN designer, but like maybe just walk me through it because I think there's probably some differences because something's designated heritage when you're doing a applying for the permits, but B there's mm-hmm. probably different inspections that, that, you know, you have an inspector from the city, for example, when you're doing it regularly that comes and, and takes a look, do you have a, a heritage person that comes and takes a look along the way based on the different stages? It's pretty much, so the permit approval, um, there's, there's a permit called heritage um, approval permit before starting your work. So, so if you're, uh, if your property is heritage, you kind of almost have to get an approval before submitting for permit. So it's almost like you writing a letter saying hi, like, I don't know, addressing it to the person that is in charge of reviewing it, asking that this is the work you want to do. This is uh, how it will not affect those heritage aspects. And this is kind of the timeline and that you are, you are planning on submitting for permits for only this specific area or zone, and then they approve it. So once they approve this almost like request of you submitting for a permit, then you could go in as a normal permit uh, with the city. Um, and, and that permit becomes, let's say you, you're planning on adding a kitchen or maybe renovating a bathroom. So it becomes a normal permit, but under the permit application, it will say heritage building. Or, and then you have to provide that proof that you've gotten approval that you are approved to send in this for permit. Got it. Okay. Am no. I complicating it? No, no. It's, I, I mean, it's interesting. I mean, it's, it's all very brand new information for me too. So I think it's, it's really great that you're able to share and, and provide some insights. What about when you're, when you're renovating and you want to, you know, maybe fix up a designated piece that they said, you know, this is heritage. Like what is the process to when you're trying to touch that or can you, or can you not? Yes. So you can only, you, you have to show that it's pretty much collapsing and that it's going to impose like a, a public safety uh, issue. Um, so usually, so usually with, with this aspect, like it's a very thin line. So you would, you may need to get, a lawyer as well to help you with or help support you with this process and then there are construction companies that the city or the the Ontario Heritage Committee will allow for to revive the exterior or whatever it is that's going to be uh, revived Um, and and there are some consultants in Toronto that actually only specialize in that work and they do the construction for it or the, or the build out for the new version or the, just like fixing certain areas. So, cause sometimes, for example, like there are um, in the facade, let's say, I don't know, maybe it's made out of brick and some of the bricks started to collapse or started to fall out. So they would have to replace those bricks with something that looks almost like the rest of it with the aging and everything. 
and they would need to support, do the structural supports, do um, foundational supports. It really depends on what they're doing, but there are consultants in Toronto that only will build work for heritage buildings. I mean, it, it sounds it sounds like a cool concept. Is it a lot more expensive to renovate a house versus renovate like that's heritage versus a, a typical you know non heritage house? I don't think it's more expensive per se, but I think because there's also a lot of incentives that you can get, which kind of ends up saving you some of the costs. But I think it's just more complex to do it because you need to really be aware of what is happening around you. Um, You need to also be aware of that. Maybe when, let's say they like got the interior that you're going to start finding uh, mold or maybe bad bad insulation that needs to be fixed or the flooring is not leveled that it needs to be leveled so those those aspects it's, it's very common in even old homes mm-hmm. um, but when it comes to a hundred years or older like with homes that are over a hundred years it's like flooring for sure is uneven that needs to be leveled so the, those things end up costing more than something new um, because it's already leveled and you could just go in with new flooring um, but it's it's doable Okay. So, I mean, it's just the same as, as renovating or, or pretty similar minus the timeline as renovating another hundred year old house, right? One's at, yes. at heritage versus another one that's just a hundred years old. I have a lot of hundred year old houses. <laughs> I know oh, exactly nice. what you're talking about, you know, and some, some are in better shape than others, but yeah, I mean, you definitely will find stuff behind the walls in, uh, in many of them, but you know, it's, it's all part of the experience. So timelines, obviously, if, if you've got hard or private money, uh, you know, at, at eight, nine, 10%, you know, what, what time, like that's going to cost you more, but what kind of increased timeline are we talking about? So let's just say, I don't know, let's just say a typical house reno is, I mean, it varies, but let's just say it's three months to renovate mm-hmm. top to bottom. You know, are we talking about like 20% more time to do the heritage piece? Or are we talking about double or does it not really matter? Uh, for the just the heritage piece or the whole thing? Yeah, I mean, like, I don't know how much additional time having something that's heritage will take to renovate. I think the only additional time that is going to take is the additional approvals that you need to get before you have the green light to start renovating. Got it. Um, so probably you're looking at around six to eight weeks extra. Because a normal permit takes six to eight weeks now, especially with COVID and and the busy times of the market. But it could take another six to eight weeks to get other approvals. And um, maybe you need specific materials or specific finishes. Those would end up taking a little bit longer as well. And now we're going to take a quick break to hear from one of our sponsors. Hey guys, I just want to take a quick moment here and pause the podcast to introduce you to one of my favorite contractors, John from Blackjack Contracting Inc. And he has been serving the Niagara, Hamilton and Brantford areas for the past three years and has become the area's legal basement suite renovation specialist. He works with many investors that I know and some newer investors, some more experienced investors, and he converts single family homes into multiple units, as well as my favorite strategy, the Burr strategy. So he's well-versed in those as well to make sure that we can achieve the maximum value of the property and the maximum ARV. He has also completed over 100 units from Brantford to Niagara Falls, 
and everywhere in between as well. They do everything from permitting to the design to the final cleaning before listing our rentals for rent or for sale. And he's also a fully licensed electrical contractor. He's certified with ESA and he will take jobs of all sizes. So no job is too big. He's done in complete guts really from the ground up. So super impressed with his work and what he's been doing for fellow investors that I know as well. So if you wanted to reach out, his website is blackjackcontractinginc.ca and you can ask him whatever questions you have. You can also reach out to him Instagram, which is at blackjackcontractinginc. And like he says, he knows that investing feels like the biggest gamble of our lives. So when you have blackjack on your side, the house always wins. I will also add that there is currently a ban as of April 4th on new permits. So he will still actively work to the law's extent and actively work with investors to get projects planned out for when the ban is lifted. So that way you're not necessarily waiting and waiting and waiting. So guys, 100%, I recommend blackjack contracting. I will say that Finding the right contractor is sometimes a hassle and getting a good one that works with investors that understands the numbers is going to be critical in our success, especially when doing the Burr strategy. And now back to the show. Okay. So probably if somebody is buying something like that, like, you know, oftentimes in our, in our purchases and sale agreements or agreements of purchase and sale, we put that we can start the process you know, going to the city and applying for permits. So probably similar, we could, you know, have that as a clause. And mm-hmm. so, you know, maybe you can just have a longer close if, if it's an option so that you can exactly. get permits exactly. before you close. So you talked about rebates, you talked about incentives. You know, I, I think some investors are probably wondering, you know, where is the big benefit from an investor standpoint? That could be a big one right there. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah. So obviously, like if investors would know, you need to have a smart like financial plan and before investing into a property. But there are some uh, there are so many grants and rebates and there's always more coming up. And then sometimes they kind of they kind of implement one for a few years and then they change it and then they bring something else. But the biggest one that uh, has been on for a while is uh, called the Heritage Grant Program. And it uh, provides pretty much funds uh, to homeowners uh, to fix their and maintain their um, historical attributes. Uh, So like it could be roofing, doors, windows, the facade. And the cool part about this is that you could always reapply after five years. So let's say one year you have, I don't know, you change your windows that are heritage and then in five years you do your roof. And then it's a grant program that you'll have to qualify for. And um, I could go into detail with that or I could move on to the next one. Um, I mean, I, but- I, think, I think this is important. Maybe, maybe a little bit more information. Is it just you have to live in the house for these rebates or could you, investors get it from a, you know, renting it out if, they, if that's the route they want to go or flipping it? Yes. So it, it mainly needs to be for the homeowner. Um, so technically you should be living in the house or you should be the owner of the house, but like technically you should be living in it. Um, but you like mainly it qualifies for the city of Toronto. That's the number one thing. So if you're outside of Toronto, this would become something completely different. Um, but it's always like, you could always call and ask the city like um, for, for further information to see 
to ask like if you own the home and um, let's say you um, want to think of renting it out later on then maybe they could accommodate that but I'm pretty sure you need to be living in the house um, and then it also includes as well like technical studies so like let's say you 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 purchase something and you want to do um you want to check the i don't know earthquake loads i'm just giving you something very random that also is part of the grant so maybe you start that you purchase a property you, you do the checks or the studies and then if it's not what you want it to be or you want to improve it then you could rent it out or sell it and then those people will qualify for another grant um so it's it's really vague at some point um with the process but the the information should be all on the toronto.ca website and and they usually cover certain aspects and there's an application that you have to submit so it could be rejected and it could be accepted so it really depends and there's also a due date for those submissions so like uh, there's a deadline to when you can submit and when you can uh, hear back but mainly like it happens in the spring of every year and then you only qualify once every five years okay all right that's i mean that's pretty cool so right now you're really working in toronto and you're helping homeowners and you're helping you know ensure that they they go through the process easily give, give us a little bit more of you know maybe what your company does and if somebody did, did want to reach out to you you know how uh you know how they can maybe imagine that the, the process will go from uh you know, Renault to completion, essentially. For sure. Yes. So pretty much what we do is we're an interior design and architecture firm. So we mainly focus on interior spaces. So we, our whole goal is to make your interior problems um, gone. So we, we want to solve any functional problems. We want to solve any aesthetic or problems with the flow of your space. And we will work our process is very simple. So we start with a concept. We then take this concept to a schematic phase where we lay out the floor plans, maybe your furniture in the space and try to come up with a proper flow. Um, and then we will start gathering inspiration, materials, finishes to start developing this design. So what in, in, during that process, this is the most time consuming process for us and probably for our clients because they're waiting for us to finish it. But the design development is the core of the work. And then once that is complete, then we start doing construction drawings, the permitting, um, permit drawings, and then we start getting pricing from contractors and then coordinating with them to get the project from like this conceptual phase all the way to the completion and full build. So we take it really from A to Z and um, and we really focus on the details and making everything flow and tie together in an effortless way. Um, so this is a summary uh, of it all. That is cool. And you are, is it predominantly in Toronto or do you cover other areas as well? We, most of our work, I would say 80% of it is in Toronto, but we do other work around the GTA. So we have projects right now in Hamilton, we have Oakville, we have... King City. So we have all over, um, but most of the work is in Toronto and the downtown core. And uh, we also do like restaurant design and commercial spaces. So um, we have both services like for homes and businesses. So we could tailor to both clients. 
All right. Very awesome. And uh, you say we a lot, you know, walk us through who's, who's part of your team. I mean, I don't need yes. to know your names, but like, just like who you have. No, for team. sure. Those uh, it's myself. It's mainly myself. Plus um, we have a, another uh, amazing designer that she is with us. She's been with us for a while now. And then we have another junior designer that um, is very new. She was our intern. She turned into junior designer. And we currently have brought on a new intern. So we're, we're a team of four in total. Uh, so it's pretty exciting. And especially that we're working still remotely. It's, it's been an interesting journey to, to see how we can all work together creatively, but remote. Absolutely. Is, is your bread and butter like heritage homes or, you know, or is it something different and you just have happened to have a lot of heritage homes because you've been in Toronto for a while? Yeah, I would say it's, it's mainly homes in general. Um, but we've been getting a lot of heritage homes because most of the houses in Toronto are at least 70 years old or, or more. And not all of them are heritage, but still we we do work a lot with older homes and we're kind of now used to the their layouts so i could like if somebody shows me a picture of a house i can almost know exactly how the layout is on the inside because they're all somewhat similar to one another Great. so we're, we're very used to that yes you know i've i've walked into you know probably not as much as a realtor probably not as much as you but i've walked into a lot of houses right as as i'm looking to to buy stuff and a lot of old ones um and sometimes you see some really strange things whether it's you know a, a toilet right by the stairs with you know literally that's the one piece or i you know like you know some of the old houses they had like the tree logs going across uh you know as as the beams which is cool what what is the most like weirdest or unique feature you've ever seen in a house mm-hmm. Uh, I would say it's definitely not a great feature that I've seen. It was, it was horrible, but <laughs> we pretty much, we had a house where, so there was, there was a mudroom, right? That was built as an addition to the home. It seems like the previous homeowners did it themselves. But when you open the door to go out to the backyard, you almost like there's no stairs. So it's like this high of a cliff. And you pretty much will fall. Like the door is literally out to the backyard with no steps or landing or anything. So if somebody is not used to the space and they open the door and step out, they're going to fall into a ditch. Um, So that's that's the weirdest thing I have seen. Um, The other thing I have seen is a bathroom where it was put in an attic and you pretty much cannot sit on the toilet seat. So it's you have to, to enter the bathroom, you have to, and I'm, I'm a small girl, I'm five foot three. I couldn't even walk without leaning over. And I entered the attic area and the toilet was there. Plus there was a shower, a sink. And I don't know how the previous homeowners used this bathroom because I could barely get in. And you, like, you cannot sit on the toilet or stand in the shower. So you'd have to almost be crawling uh, to use the space. So those are the two weirdest things I have seen. <laughs> I, for some reason, I find that like, to, like toilet placement is always the, some of the weirdest, like I've seen them on th- like a throne, like a pedestal or whatever, like, you know, like those, yes. like just some weird placements, uh, just randomly in the middle of the basement. Like, it's just, it's just so funny what some people think of and, and put together. Right. <laughs> yeah. So th- these things will go like, we, we we're like, this is the first thing that's getting demolished here. So 
we need to get rid of it. Um, but yeah, sometimes I wonder how, how others make their decisions, but I'm just there to fix all the problems. That's awesome. We, uh, we like that delegation and uh, <laughs> having people work on the business, not in the business. So hire the right people. So Jude, that was awesome. Thanks for your insights. We're going to play you. the lightning round now. And I'm going to ask you five questions that every guest gets the same ones. And you're going to give me the first answer that comes to mind. Are you ready? Yes. This week's lightning round is brought to you by Megan Chomut. If you're looking for a great financial advisor to add to your team who actually understands and incorporates real estate as part of your overall plan and gets your money working for you, you can reach out to Megan at meganchomut.com forward slash Sarah. And also she's offered for my podcast listeners to provide you with a free, customized, individualized 90-day game plan for getting ahead. So to get that, go to meganchomut.com forward slash Sarah. That's M-E-G-H-A-N. C-H-O-M-U-T dot com forward slash Sarah. And now back to the show. All right. Question number one, what is your favorite real estate investing book? But it could be another real estate related book if you want to, you know, share a design. Do you know the book, uh, Rich Dad, Poor Dad? Yeah. That's one of, that's what got me actually into real estate as a, as a person when I was really young. I read it when I was 12. Cool. Robert Kiyosaki changed lots of lives. Yeah. Number two, I don't know if you listen to podcasts, but do you have a favorite one? Doesn't have to be real estate related. Uh, I do listen to a lot of podcasts. I think how I made this or how I built this, this is one of my favorites um, of all times. Cool. I haven't heard about that one, but I will check it out. Number three, what do you do for fun? Uh, I run. <laughs> okay. Nice. Outside or on a treadmill? Outside. Okay. Very cool. Number four, if you lost all of your money, your assets tomorrow, how would you start again? I would pretty much be in nature and try to come up with a cool idea to get out of it. <laughs> <laughs> all right. And last question, if somebody has $50,000, they want to get started with that money, how would you recommend they spend the 50 grand? I would say 30% to invest in real estate, 30% to save in your bank, and then 30% to um, invest in something else other than real estate, like stocks or something that will bring you value. All right. Very cool. Thanks for playing the lightning round, Jude. Where <laughs> can my listeners reach out and find out more? Um, pretty much on our website or Instagram. We're called Sansa Interiors. So S-A-N-S-A Interiors with an S dot com that's mainly our website and our instagram is also there as well awesome jude it was a pleasure having you on thank you so much I've you too. <laughs> i'm glad thanks sarah hey guys before you go i wanted to ask you a question what's stopping you from starting or growing your own real estate investment portfolio i know for me before i started i had plenty of reasons and at the time they all seemed very valid but as I started my journey, these reasons slowly fell away and eventually only one reason remained. What was actually stopping me was having a proven, actionable, repeatable system. I didn't have that. And the way that was going to change was by investing in myself, learning, listening, and looking for ways that worked. And also, most importantly, discovering what didn't and not making those mistakes again. Fast forward to today, I now have a proven, repeatable series of action steps that has enabled me to build my seven-figure portfolio consisting of multiple homes, and I'm able to manage that in two to three hours a month. Is that something that you would want? Well, 
I've actually taken all the knowledge I've accumulated and put that into a comprehensive step-by-step -step online program. It's called Rise, and it's a program that will help you from where you are now to where you want to be faster and with less of the headaches that I had. So it consists of all the templates and the resources that I use, plus over 40 instructional videos that you get lifetime access to for just a small one-time investment. And, you know, my recommendation is to make the time now to invest in yourself and grow your portfolio to seven figures so that you can bring your retirement dreams closer. If you want some more information about Rise, just go to sarahlarby.com forward slash R-I-S-E to access more details and book your spot. Thanks so much for listening to Where Should I Invest with your host, Sarah Larby. Make sure to listen in next time. We'll catch you on the next episode of Where Should I Invest.